Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening. My name is Sarah Baumert. I am a yoga teacher, Feldenkrais practitioner, and host of the Sarah B. Yoga podcast. The Sarah B. Yoga podcast and my practice, Body Matter, is an interdisciplinary learning space where we explore the many ways that movement can help facilitate body acceptance and awareness, reduce pain and stress, regulate the nervous system, and build strength and ease. My teaching plays with the synthesis of Feldenkrais Awareness Through Movement lessons, traditional yoga asana, creative imagery, breathing exercises, self-massage, and a compassionate mindset to help you feel a greater sense of ease and comfort in yourself. Serebi Yoga and Body Matter have a lot of other program offerings. These podcasts are just a taste of my teaching. Each week, I teach a range of online classes, including a gentle yoga class, a level two class for more advanced students, and Feldenkrais classes with monthly themes, anatomy lessons, and Q&A sessions for more in-depth study. I have two new courses starting at the end of February. One is my continued Monday night blending of yoga and Feldenkrais class. This series will have a focus on the pelvic floor, the psoas, and the abdominal complex. Each class will use pelvic floor mapping as an entry point for a well-rounded practice. The second course is the secret language of the arms, where we will explore Feldenkrais lessons that offer the hidden potential within the upper body. You might imagine this scenario. You go to just grab your phone and check on something, and before you know it, that kind of gripping action of your hands of holding the phone starts to create a tension that travels up your arms to your neck, to your jaw, to your chest. You might even realize that you've been holding your breath, and you're somewhat lost in this digital world as your body braces. And for what, really? We've all been there uncomfortable with the tension that comes from our technology, where the strain travels from our fingertips up through our arms, into our shoulders, our chest, even to our foreheads. And none of us are immune to these kinds of modern day scenarios. So in this series, The Secret Language of the Arms, each lesson will include two components. We'll move from microcosm to macrocosm and connect the dots along the way. So you can think microcosm, an exploration of the articulation and functional coordination of the smaller joints, like the fingers, the wrists, the elbows. And then we'll expand outwards, discovering how your arms integrate with the whole self, feeling the way your spine, your ribs, even your legs and your feet, how they contribute to the harmony of the movement of your arms. No Feldenkrais lesson is complete without an integration of the whole self. While there will be this focus on the upper extremities, these will be whole body lessons. You can find a link for these two new spring courses that start at the very end of February, beginning of March. Find all of that in the show notes or just visit body-matter.com. I hope to see some of you there. Okay, on to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Serebi Yoga Podcast. This podcast is an intersection of my yoga teaching and my training in the Feldenkrais Method. In today's podcast, I will be talking about the importance of the pelvic floor and giving some information about my upcoming Feldenkrais series, 
pelvic floor, and deep core rapport. Pelvic floor health and abdominal strengthening is one of the most requested topics I get from students. So I'm bringing you some content that you've been asking for. Today, I will be discussing why pelvic floor health is so important and give you some context for this series. The eight-week series will be taught live stream starting September 25th with options to purchase the lessons to do as a self-paced course. The pelvic floor is a topic of interest for so many people. The function of the pelvic floor has a profound effect on our quality of life. So anything that can be done to bring more ease or a higher quality of control in this area can be quite revolutionary. In this series, we will focus on the pelvis as a dynamic system. In other words, we will not focus on isolating the pelvic floor with exercises such as kegels, which you might be familiar with. In Feldenkrais, we use a whole body approach. If you come to me and your shoulder is hurting, I'll start to ask questions about your pelvis or your feet or your breathing. So this too will be a whole body approach to pelvis and abdominal health. For both men and women, improving the ability to both relax and engage the pelvic floor and the deep abdominal muscles can have really positive effects on things such as lower back pain, sensing a deeper and more relaxed breath, making standing and walking feel easier. It can improve balance. It's supportive for healing from hip replacements or abdominal surgeries. It creates more effective bladder control, better sex through increased awareness, sensation, and control. And it supports women who, after giving birth, feel a lack of strength or a lack of coordination or sensation in this area. So what does a Feldenkrais approach to pelvic and abdominal health really look like? A secret to this method is to reduce the force we create in our muscles in order to maximize the amount of information we have available for feedback. This means practicing intelligently and reducing the effort to get more refined sensations. In Feldenkrais, we love organizing the skeleton. If you take Feldenkrais classes or are familiar, you may hear a teacher talk a lot about the skeletal structure and architecture. So why do we love the skeleton so much? Because skeletons don't get tired. The skeleton solves the puzzle of how to be active in gravity better than our soft tissues and muscles do. But the majority of the time, most of us are using our muscles more than we need to in order to be upright in gravity. So this means a lot of our energy is spent just on staying upright rather than spending that energy on whatever function we're really interested in doing. 
If you can support yourself moment to moment with your skeleton, it frees up energy for you to use the muscles more efficiently. Okay, so what does this have to do with the pelvic floor? It might seem paradoxical to relax a muscle in order for it to become stronger, which is one of the things we'll play with in this series. How would the ability to relax a muscle help you feel more stable? Well, if a muscle is always contracted, and it might always be contracted if your skeleton is not in that optimal position, so you may have muscles that are in constant contraction, they're working really hard, they might give you some pain or discomfort. So if a muscle is always contracted, it has less ability to actually contract any further and less ability to move through its dynamic range of actions. So a habitually contracted muscle is actually a weak muscle because we need that dynamic range. We need muscles to let go and to be able to engage at certain times and in coordination with our whole system. So we'll practice learning how to relax the pelvic floor and deep abdominal muscles in order to engage them when necessary and with intelligence and awareness. These sessions will support you to become aware of and relax compulsive muscular tension in the pelvis and abdominals so that you can learn to integrate them into functional everyday movements. So what do I mean about sensing the pelvic floor as a whole system? The pelvic floor muscles are within this whole system of synergistic muscles that don't work alone. They relate with and coordinate with your deep abdominal muscles, with your hip muscles, the deep muscles of the spine, and the breathing apparatus. The integration of the pelvic floor with this group of neighboring muscles is necessary to find full use of the pelvic floor. Our pelvic floor, it lies similar to a flexible hammock right at the base of the pelvis. And when in a place of support, the pelvic floor can act like an arch that domes upward, in which case it is supportive. The pelvis, the bone, you can think of it shaped a little bit like a bowl, and the tissues of the pelvic floor cover the base of the bowl, the bottom of the bowl. So this term pelvic floor. It's made of muscles, ligaments, and connective tissues. The tissues attached to bony parts of the pelvis, the sitting bones on both sides, the pubic bone in the front, the tail in the back. In this series, we'll look at images. We'll locate those places on the body so that that starts to make more sense for you. So the pelvic floor is this dynamic system, and when it's healthy, it will respond to the changes of your body. Just like any other muscle, the pelvic floor can be contracted and very tight and locked up, or it can be really loose and weak. And those tissues have that dynamic range of tone available to them. When muscles, connective tissue, and ligaments are all working together, they create this dynamic support for the pelvic floor. And these muscles are important for everything you do, standing, walking, dancing, even sitting, which I'll speak a little bit about later. These muscles help maintain continence. 
These muscles have to stretch and lengthen for a baby to be born. And again, all these functions of the pelvic floor are coordinated with other muscles in the body. So most muscles don't act in isolation for a functional movement to occur. It's possible for muscles to act by themselves in isolation, and sometimes we practice that, but most functional movements require a coordination of muscles. And the pelvic floor muscles are no different. They act in coordination with other muscles most often, but then they can also isolate by by themselves. So let's talk a little bit about voluntary muscles versus involuntary muscles. Voluntary muscles are muscles that are under your control. You can control when you contract them and when you relax them. So muscle contraction and relaxation can also be involuntary. An example of this is your breathing. The contraction and relaxation of your diaphragm muscles can be both voluntary or conscious, or involuntary, unconscious. So, and interestingly, the breathing diaphragm and the pelvic floor are super closely related. When you're resting and the breathing diaphragm moves down and up, the pelvic floor does the same thing when there's a healthy response to the breath. The pelvic floor moves up like a dome or a supportive arch, and then it moves down, similar to that shape of a hammock. When you alter your breathing and control your breath, you can do things consciously, like speed up the breath if you need to, hold the breath, lengthen it, change the shape of your breath, so you can control the movement of the diaphragm. But then your breathing can also change very automatically when you aren't thinking about it. An example of when that might happen is you might be responding to stress, and so the pace of your breath changes, or you're exercising and your breathing adapts to that movement. So your breath can change in this involuntary or unconscious way, even in response to your emotions. So we'll focus also in this series about how we use the function of the breath to bring awareness to the pelvic floor and improve the function of the pelvic floor and its neighboring muscles. These neighboring muscles, we can call them auxiliary or secondary muscles that contract and relax to help the pelvic floor engage in a healthy way. Think your external and internal hip rotators, your inner thigh, your deep abdominals, and the buttocks. The Feldenkrais Awareness Through Movement Lessons use these secondary muscle groups. They're muscles that are assisting in a movement, but not the main muscle in the movement. So the lessons help coordinate the secondary muscles to help the the function of the pelvic floor. An example of this, the doesn't necessarily include the pelvic floor. So we have primary muscles that are the muscles that control the movement you're you're performing. They're the main muscle. In simple terms, it's the primary muscle is the muscle intended and targeted during an exercise, whereas those secondary muscles are what assist 
the primary muscles. So if you're going down into a squat, you're performing a squat, the primary muscles exercise are the quadriceps, the the thigh muscles in the front. And then the secondary muscles that support and help are your glutes, your hamstrings, your calves. So this same concept is true when you're engaging the pelvic floor. In this way, using somewhat simple movements, using imagery, breathing practices, as well as some feedback from props, these lessons will support the organization of this quite complex system that's so important for our health. So I just want to talk a little bit about habits and the pelvic floor. We all have habitual ways of doing things, preferences. Some of our habits are obvious and we're more conscious of them, like knowing that you have a dominant hand. There's some habit or preference in that. Some habits are less obvious to us. That might be the way we stand if we favor one leg or the way we walk. And the pelvic floor and abdominals can also have habits. You might be aware of some of those habits or it might be a little elusive to you. It might feel like it's hard to sense there. You're almost numb to sensation. It can be more subtle and harder to detect the habit in the pelvic floor and abdominals. The pelvic floor can develop a weakness in one area, and that could be on one side or the other or more to the front or the back. And these imbalances can occur from giving birth, from aging, from menopause, from any kind of emotional or physical trauma, from repetitive stress, repetitive actions in our life, as well as breathing imbalances. So to improve the function of the pelvic floor, we practice how to contract and relax all of it in a balanced way. This makes the pelvic floor healthy and stronger using all areas of the pelvic floor in coordination with the rest of the body. Again, this series, we won't just be engaging the pelvic floor. We'll be moving our whole self in different patterns, in different functional ways, but including the pelvic floor in our awareness. And awareness is such a key piece to this. All right, what about stress? How does stress, including the stress from sitting, for sitting long periods of time, how does that affect the pelvic floor? The whole pelvic floor and abdominal system is incredibly responsive to stress. One of the most common places to hold tension and brace is the, is the belly, is the abdominals. You know, other common places are shoulders, jaw, neck, and, and then the abdomen. So in terms of the abdomen and the pelvic floor, we all have voluntary control over this area. Right? We, we made that clear. But it can also respond to stress in a more unconscious way, similar to how the breath might react to stress or tension. 
the pelvic floor, abdominals, and the back, all being a part of this breathing system, will also tighten when you're stressed. So if you're breathing, reacts to stress, pelvic floor is going to as well. And this can become a steady state, sort of where you are at all the time, or a habit that can lead to pain, discomfort, a challenge in feeling any sensation or strength in this area. Sitting for long periods of time can also change the dynamics of the pelvic floor system. When we're sitting especially really unconsciously, more pressure moves down on the abdomen and there's a lack of needing to employ the abdominal muscles when we're sitting. Because you are you feel like maybe you're supported by the chair, maybe you get fatigued and the, the posture just starts to sink and slump a little bit. And this lack of engaging, of employing the abdominal muscles in sitting can change the feeling in the pelvic floor, and it can actually increase tension, can create that weakness. Most people that struggle with something having to do with their pelvis, and that could be hip pain, SI joint pain, pelvic floor dysfunction, that lack of abdominal support. For most everyone, the way they sit and stand is not as efficient and functional as it could be. And again, many of us are sitting a lot during the day. And because sitting is emphasized so much in our culture, but at the same time, sitting is not very trained. Have you ever been taught how to sit with the most optimal skeletal support? Probably not. It's not something we are trained to do. But again, sitting for long periods of time puts stress on the pelvic floor, especially when sitting in that posture that's not most optimal. So this series will include at least one lesson to support a dynamic sitting posture. This might be an area of the body that you haven't focused on much with your awareness practices or with your any kind of exercise routine. So a way to really benefit from these lessons is to do one lesson at a time, to try to do the lessons twice a week. I teach my Feldenkrais lessons the same lesson two times a week, and there's also recordings, so you can always go back and do them. Doing the lessons in order, we build material. So the third lesson, it will be important for you to have understood what the first and the second lesson and their details are all about. I'll also give some little mini practices. At the end of the lesson, we have a feedback question and answer session. And at that time, it's common that I'll give some tips for how to have some moments throughout the day where you could practice something for just a few minutes. And so that just means doing just a few repetitions of a movement every day just to help keep that awareness fresh. Now in Feldenkrais, the awareness of the movement, the quality of the movement is so much more important than the number of repetitions you do. When you're doing the movements, we sense the breath and make the movements pleasant, feeling the movement move through your whole self. And we won't be too concerned with isolating the pelvic floor. 
This series can be effective because of the coordination of the pelvic floor with normal functional movements of the rest of the body. People might see improvements within a couple of weeks, especially if you practice those small daily moments of awareness and incorporate the lessons into your daily life. So there'll be eight lessons. Each lesson is taught twice. There's time to connect with each other after the lessons. There's also an option for a private call with me halfway through the series to get more personal advice and support during this series. This series will be a multidisciplinary Feldenkrais approach to pelvic floor and abdominal health. I'll be pulling some wisdom from some other modalities. We will use an inflated, sometimes halfway inflated, small ball that we'll use as feedback for the pelvic floor. And each lesson will be accessible for all abilities. So if you have any questions, please contact me. I hope this was informational about how we can use a Feldenkrais approach to pelvic floor and abdominal health. Are you enjoying this podcast? I've chosen to offer these audio recordings freely for over 15 years. I do this because research shows yoga, yoga nidra, and Feldenkrais to be valuable practices those which I would like to share widely. Dana, the Buddhist practice of generosity, has always been a pillar of my business. And more generally, Dana is the inclination to give, to give without expecting any form of repayment. It does, however, take a fair amount of time, effort, and cost to maintain and keep the podcasts available. If you feel you've benefited from what you've learned from these classes, then please do consider making a contribution towards the maintenance and upkeep of the classes. It will help ensure that I can continue to offer the podcast classes freely and keep generating new material. Give what you can, give what feels good. If it's too little, it won't feel good. If it's too much, it won't feel good. Links to support the show monetarily can be found in the show notes. And other ways to give include sharing the podcast with others, leaving a five-star rating and review, or just sending me an email with how the classes have affected you. Thanks so much.